With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom, reach new audiences, and bring important information to the public free of charge. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. What a crazy time to be alive. Charlie Robinson on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. From the Rocky Mountains of Denver, Colorado, my name is Charlie Robinson. Thanks for hanging out with me for the next hour. If you want to connect with me, you can do so via email. Charlie Robinson at tntradio.live is the place to do that. You can go to my brand new website and check out everything that I'm working on. Macroaggressions.io is the place to do that. You can follow me on Twitter at Macroaggressions. But let's start today, shall we, with some headlines for Wednesday, January 10th, 2024. China dominates the supply of U.S. critical minerals list. Mm. This uh, There are 50 minerals on the list, and China is the leading producer of 30 of them. Can't launch an EV revolution with without China's help, can we? No. Probably, maybe don't start World War III against China. Uh, from the Disinformation Chronicle, FDA commissioner promotes products off-label, an illegal pharma marketing scheme long criticized by Democrats. This is the second time that Dr. Uh, Robert Califf has been the FDA commissioner, and he tried to do the same thing under Obama and was prevented from doing it. Now, listen, they don't call it the Fraud and Death Administration for nothing. This is a criminal enterprise masquerading as a regulatory agency. Don't get let the FDA fool you. And from the Gateway Pundit, NASA's Artemis lunar missions delayed yet again. Astronauts now set to land on the moon in 2026. Peregrine lander was abandoned in space due to fatal fuel leak. Okay. Sure, guys. Whatever you say, NASA. Whatever you say. The largest money, the largest constantly running money laundering organization in America, NASA, is here to tell you that we're not going to send people to the moon till 2026. Okay. I, I, I totally believe you. And finally, from our friends over at Zero Hedge, Ray Epps dodges prison sentence, gets probation community service for telling J6ers to go, quote, into the Capitol. This was an American Fed surrection, okay? The, um, the amount of federal agents that were embedded in that crowd is staggering. I don't know if we'll ever get the, the, the true numbers. It's in the hundreds of agents, by all accounts. And this is called uh, agent provocateur. You know, the French have a word for this. This is when you embed people in the crowd, have them pretend like they're part of the crowd, and then they cause problems for the rest of the crowd and pin the blame on the crowd that they are pretending to be a part of when they are in fact not. This is a pretty old school false flag, if you ask me. And um, it's embarrassing. I'll tell you what, this is how when I'm out in the real world talking to people, this is this is one of the barometers that I use. If I talk to somebody about January 6th and they describe it in any way, shape or form as sort of like 9-11, the day democracy died or a uh, an actual insurrection, then I know that I'm not dealing with a serious person. 
I know I'm not dealing with somebody that has actually dug into this information. This is somebody that is watching CNN and MSNBC and Fox News and Sky News and BBC. They're watching mainstream sources. They don't understand what's going on. The fact that Ray Epps gets 12 months of probation, a $500 fine, and 100 hours of community service, while Enrico Tario, who wasn't even at the event, was in Miami, gets 17 years in prison for that, is a, is a crime, is a crime. Joe Biggs, Stuart Rhodes, I'm not a proud boy. I'm not a member of that group. I would have never gone to this. It, it, this was a this was a trap to from the from the get go. The fact that these guys couldn't see it, as you know, I think I I questioned their judgment for not understanding that they were walking into a, a, an entrapment operation. But the fact that Ray Epps, who is a federal agent, let's just be honest about this, who was on camera riling up the people to the chanting of fed, fed, fed in the background. As soon as he said, everybody tomorrow, we need to go into the Capitol. And the rest of the crowd just said, no way, man, you're a fed. This is, and, and, and as the media said, this is preposterous for you to accuse this poor guy, Ray Epps, this guy in Arizona who's just minding his own business of being a federal agent. I mean, if he were a federal agent, um, you know, then, 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 you know, they would do something like give him 12 months probation, 500 hour restitution and 100 hours of community service, which is exactly what he got because he's a Fed. And because the entire thing was used as a message, it is a message to future generations. If you complain about what the American empire is doing, they won't just put you in prison. They will bury you underneath it. At TNT, we never go home. We are committed to bringing you our take on the biggest topics of our time. We broadcast live 24-7, no matter what. We've got you covered on TNT. Delivering the facts. Source I can trust. Today's News Talk Radio. TNT. TNT. On Tuesday, Ecuador was hit with a wave of violent gang-related incidents, including a shocking on-air takeover of a live television news broadcast by hooded gunmen with explosives, prompting the country's president to declare 22 gangs to be terrorist organizations and ordering the military to hunt them down. Here with the story, joining me now is TNT News producer Adam Clark, a.k.a. Ruckus, so I see the CIA is in Ecuador these days, Ruckus. What's going on over there? Good one, Charlie. Um, yeah, I don't know. This this was pretty interesting. You, I, I'm guessing you've seen the the video footage of this, perhaps. Uh, it's I have. pretty intense. <laughs> uh, it was a little triggering for me because uh, I've actually been involved uh, in like being robbed at gunpoint uh, more than once in my past life, uh, working in the real world, as it were. Um, so yeah, it's a little frightening experience when people come up in your face with guns and bombs and doing this stuff. Uh, what the heck is going on? This is wild. So apparently, um, this is <laughs> the the country of Ecuador has, has been having a whole bunch of uh, attacks recently. Uh, this is all after the government basically imposed a state of emergency uh, as a basically a response to what is being described as the prison escape of at least one or two possibly uh, powerful gang leaders from prison. So they issued a state of emergency. 
and then the gangs went like crazy. Uh, uh, so uh, there were uh, what was there? There was a, a number of attacks. There were like rapes and all sorts of robberies and stuff. And then this we we saw this happen on TV, where a bunch of armed men wearing balaclavas, mostly wearing black garb. Uh, they entered the set of the TC television network. This is in the port city of Guayaquil. Uh, they shouted that they had bombs. You could hear gunshots going off. Uh, the channel was broadcasting the whole incident live on air for about 15 minutes or so. And then the signal was just cut off while the transmission was on. The men can be seen on camera while employees are being laid down on the floor. Someone could be heard crying. <clears throat> excuse me, screaming, don't shoot, you know, the usual stuff. Uh, Ecuador's police on X, formerly known as Twitter, uh, they said that some units were deployed to the media facilities. Uh, hours earlier, um, Ecuadorian authorities had confirmed a series of attacks around the country, including explosions uh, and the abduction of several police officers. So we have gang members kidnapping cops. This is getting crazy. Uh, the police reported that four officers were kidnapped on Monday night and remained missing, one in the capital, Quito, and three in Quevedo City. Separately, agents arrested two people for possession of explosives and uh, as suspects in at least one of the attacks in the South American country. The government has not said how many attacks were registered in total, but local media reported several, including some in northern cities where vehicles were set on fire, and others in Quito, including an explosion near the house of the president of the National Justice Court. Authorities have not said who is thought to be behind the attacks of the or if the incidents are part of an orchestrated action. I don't know, uh, all acting at once. It seems like someone said something somewhere. Uh, the government has previously accused members of the main drug gangs for similar strikes. And in recent years, Ecuador has been engulfed by a surge of violence tied to drug trafficking, including homicides and kidnappings. On Sunday, the Ecuadorian authorities reported that Adolfo Macias, his alias is Fito, uh, he's also the leader of a Los Choneros gang, uh, they said that he was not found to be where he should have been inside of his cell in a low-security prison. Oops, uh, he was scheduled to be transferred to a maximum security facility that day, and his whereabouts were unclear. <laughs> Prosecutors opened an investigation and charged two guards in connection with the alleged escape, but neither the police, the corrections system, nor the federal government ever confirmed whether or not Macias uh, Fito uh, actually fled the facility or might actually still be there hiding somewhere. Uh, back in February of 2017, he actually managed to escape from a maximum security facility but was recaptured weeks later. Uh, I'm guessing he probably escaped. Uh, therefore, this is why on Monday, the president, Daniel Noboa, decreed a declared a national state of emergency for 60 days, allowing the authorities to suspend rights and mobilize the military in places such as prisons. They also imposed a curfew that should last uh, from 11 p.m. to 5 a.m. That began on Monday night. So, wow. Uh, what do you think about this, Charlie? Obviously, the curfew didn't stop this from happening, now, did it? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that curfew is going to work. That good, good, good idea. Did he go to the El Chapo School of Prisons? I mean, this is straight out of 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 that story. I mean, with the sink that lifts up and then the stairs that go down into a tunnel. This is um, this is not surprising to me at all. 
I expect that um, a little surprised that Ecuador hasn't um, uh, emptied their prisons and insane asylums like Venezuela did and sent all of the inhabitants up to the southern border of the United States. That seems to be a, a, a tactic that South America is employing recently. But maybe this doesn't involve the U.S. at all. Maybe I was overstepping my boundaries when I said that the CIA was involved. I doubt it. But uh, this feels very much like engineered chaos. Um, I did see the videos of the outside. I saw inside the studios. It's wild. It's triggering, too. Hey, Ruckus, I've said the same thing, man. I've, I've had... I've watched a guy uh, try to carjack me before, you know what I mean? So I, I'm I'm no fan of the gun culture. It's uh, it's definitely uh, terrifying to be in a scenario like that. But it was remarkable that it was all on television too. You know that 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 that's one way to sort of uh, get your demands heard. It had a very Joker esque feel to it as well. If I if I do say so myself, uh, the 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 taking over of a news program, you know, live in process and 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 stating your demands and and uh, and taking people hostage felt like it was straight out of the movies. But maybe that's what they want you to feel, right? I mean, it it certainly did send a message that these people are are out and and not to be messed with. But um, what so what's the what's the plan besides you know we're gonna we're gonna tell everybody they have to go back in for curfew at eleven o'clock at night? Do we have any sort of actual plans? Because that doesn't sound like much of a much of a of anything to me. No, they they basically want to lock everybody in their homes so they can run around and hunt down the members of these twenty-two gangs who are now officially terrorists. I suppose. I mean, there's always you know there's always concern when your government says, okay, we just have total control now for the next sixty days. Uh, that's always you know worrying, of course. Um, but you know, I, this is this this to me is a story of a this should this sets the pace for what this year is going to be like. Everything is just on a whole nother level. I mean, like yes, gang activity is going on. They've been facing this this problem. I guess uh, there's a uh, it's become quite the hub for cocaine trafficking. So this is going to happen. You know, you have gangs competing with each other for control of these things. Uh, so, but it's 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 beyond escalated now. And I think, like I said, this is a sign of the times to witness that for a 15 minute long live television news broadcast is absolutely telling of where we are um, as a planet, Charlie. Maybe what they can do is they can tell everybody in Ecuador that these guys are actually a new variant of the COVID virus. And then, then everyone will stay in their homes and they'll be scared and tell them to wear masks and stand on a dot and go one direction down a grocery store aisle. I think I might've solved the problem. Let's just, instead of uh, MS-13 or COVID-19, this could just be MS-19, right? This would be a new variant of, of street gang in Ecuador. And, and, uh, and as such, we'll get the World Health Organization involved and, uh, and they'll just shut everything down. I can see it now. Yeah, you're right. It's taking all of the psychological operations to a brand new level in 2024. And I, for one, am down with it all. I'm ready because we're talking about it for a living and that's what we do. So I'd prefer, I'm up for more action, not less action in 2024. I mean, bring on the fake alien invasion. I mean, next thing you know, there'll be aliens in Miami. Oh, wait, never mind. <laughs> it's just going to be one of those years, but I'll tell you what, I wouldn't want to go through it with anybody other than you, Ruckus. So thank you for your uh, for your reporting on this. And I'll see you back here tomorrow. Yeah.
Sounds good. It's probably our fault anyway. We ate too much meat, Charlie. Take care. I agree. I, I agree. I, I want to know what the carbon score is of this prison gang out there. I'm sure it's a little bit too high, according to the authorities. Um, after the break, we'll be back with Ryan Christian from Last American Vagabond. And after that, we've got Jeffrey Wilson. Don't go anywhere. This is TNT. TNT Radio's Hervoy Morich. Approximately 650,000 Ukrainian men aged 18 to 60 have left Ukraine for Europe since the start of the war. It's a tough spot. If your country is being invaded, uh, that's one thing, and you're a, a male and a citizen. Um, but you know, if the war, if it's a globalist war, I, I wouldn't want to participate <laughs> in these banker globalist wars. And most of them just uh, are. Pervoy Morich on today's News Talk Radio TNT. The Light is Britain's far-right conspiracy theory paper spreading hate and vicious lies. <laughs> No, that's what the BBC say. The Light is the only national newspaper bringing you the real news and informed opinion on what's really going on today. You can subscribe, order copies, submit articles, and read back issues on our website, thelightpaper.co.uk, and see for yourself why the establishment are so worried about the uncensored truth getting out to people every month. The Light Paper. Not for right, just right so far. Thelightpaper.co.uk. Listen, we gotta talk. It's what we do best. This is today's News Talk Radio. TNT. Time to get in the DeLorean. Set the controls for about, I don't know, 12 months ahead. See what's going on in the future. That's when we check in with Ryan Christian from The Last American Vagabond, everybody. Hey, Ryan, good to see you again. How are you? Let's talk about what's happening out there in the world. I always joke that... When people watch your show, it's like getting news from the future because you're talking about the things that are very real and actually happening, but maybe the mainstream isn't allowed to even talk about this stuff until it feels a little bit safer, even the alternative media for that matter, to about 12 months, 18 months from now. Then all of a sudden they'll they'll talk about it like they've discovered the new land, the new world, right? <laughs> Instead, you'll you'll be like, we've been talking about this since 2022, you know. So it's good to right. see you. How are you? What's going on in your world? What have you been working on? Because all I'm seeing is I'm seeing I'm seeing war crimes on television as if it's made for TV programming. It's totally disgusting. What have you found that's going on currently over there in the Middle East? Yeah, well, first, thanks for thanks for inviting me on. I always love joining you. And it, it just really quickly, I think it's funny. I was thinking about this before about the DeLorean comment that I'm thinking, okay, that really sets a high bar for me coming out to, re, to bring the thing you're supposed to know about. But but I, I really do value that. I appreciate the compliment because, you know, what I pride myself on and all of our team is, is trying to, you know, read the, the writing on the wall and know what's going to be coming. And, you know, I, I often point back on our election special on a lot of things we predicted coming forward, predominantly Whitney's amazing work. But, you know, right now, I think for me personally, I, I've been really, as a lot of us have, and I think importantly so, focused on what's going on in, in Gaza and, and the, you know, the larger Israel-Palestine conflict. And there's a lot even within that topic in and of itself that I think both connect to these other larger topics, both medical freedom, kind of health related, as well as you know any number of things. But then even around that, I think that's the bigger picture right now that I'm myself trying to pull back a little bit and make sure I'm not missing anything that I think is developing. And and on that note, in in importantly i think that one thing that scares me is 
we saw a lot happen during the COVID-19 agenda that I thought connected a lot of dots with things that they have been working on for decades and even longer that finally kind of met with the technological capabilities they hoped they would eventually have. And so that opened this really alarming door. But I think work from, you know, you and a lot of other great people out there pushing back on all of this, the lies around COVID-19, I think it did stop a lot. But I think what now is happening is there's a lot of moves being done behind the scenes that we're not really paying attention to in a large scale way, the way we were when it was being jammed in everybody's arms in a forceful way. Right. And so what I was concerned, what I'm concerned most about is one, whether or not there's already been steps that have been taken to alleviate the problems they ran up against during the COVID-19 illusion, choice, awareness, independent media, free speech, but also just the the idea of choice with these injections and what you can do and your awareness around it. And this comes into the idea of concepts like nanotechnology, smart dust, uh, you know, self-spreading concepts. And the thing that I know these things sound a little alarming for well, a lot alarming for most people or even more so like conspiracy theory, but these are documented concepts they've been studying for decades. And like I said, they now have the technological capability and have for a while to execute these things. And that overlaps with things like geoengineering that people are finally becoming aware of as well. And, and, you know, and we can get into that more if you'd like, but to bring it back to the Middle East point, this is where I see a lot of concerning things happening and have for a long time in just specifically taking Gaza, where Israel, who is acutely involved with a lot of the stuff we're talking about, have been using them as a test bed for things as far back as you want to look, whether that's munitions and kinetic weapons or any number of more alarming things. And we saw during the COVID-19 illusion that Israel was using their people as a test bed. And that wasn't just Gaza. That was Israelis and, and you know their population alike. And one thing I think is interesting is just recently I saw that Pfizer was testing a new thing, another experimental drug in Gaza under the guise that they were fighting some new fungus problem that rose up that I quite frankly think was done by on purpose, whether just by keeping it unsanitary and flooding the area and so on. But this brings to the point just about all these overlapping agendas and what might be happening behind the scenes of the wars and the different, you know, the larger things that we seem to focus on now. But we can go anywhere you want today. I mean, there's a lot of things to I, I can get up on tell you what's going on in the ground in Gaza too, and that kind of stuff, but whatever you'd like to get into. Well, let's stay with that because when mm -hmm. we when we talked about Ukraine over the last two years, we know for a fact that that place was a testing ground for all kinds Absolutely. of unspeakable things, biolabs and what was going on there. Not even just the money laundering component, but just the, the biology side of things. There's a lot happening in Ukraine and they use that as a, la a, you know, a laboratory. They've got the... Mm -hmm. You know, you're in Tennessee and in, in, in University of Tennessee, they have that program where they they study the decomposition of people. Right. Have you seen that program? Mm. There's a it's sort of a famous thing. It's like the the death science. And they they study what goes on there when things decompose and, and rot and decay. And and I felt I always felt like Ukraine was a little bit like that, too, where they were watching how things played out with regard to if we use these certain bioweapons here. You mentioned mm. Israel, you mentioned vaccines and them testing it on their on their population. They weren't shy about it. They were mm -hmm. open and talking about how, you know, their percentages that they were getting, they were very, very high percentages. It was almost mandatory. I think it might have been mandatory, but it was um, it it set a precedent that, you know, we we understand that Israel has always been using Gaza as sort of a, a test bed for things. But boy, in, in the last two years, I really didn't th I really thought the line in the sand for Israel was that they they might test that on on the Palestinians but they would never test it on their own people and boy was I wrong yeah. correct 
Yeah, absolutely. And let's not forget, to your point exactly, it was stated publicly that it, it, Netanyahu bragged about the fact that they said, well, we wanted to figure out, you know, what would happen. I forget the exact examples he used, but for sake of conversation, like what would happen if we gave it to a person with diabetes or, you know, that kind of statement he was making, he made a couple of them. And so we, we decided to figure it out. You know, they gave it and we found out like that's literally an experiment. So you want to find out what happens to these people when they get these certain injections. He's on the record saying that. But then he goes on to just kind of you know, casually mentioned that they just they call it Pfizer's lab because we only use Pfizer. And so that's the best place. And so it's it was an stated acknowledgement that they were using this in some way. Like, I guess the unstated thing that most people who don't want to hear that would assume is that it was for the best interest of everybody. Right. They Yes, they may have been testing, but it was because we were so afraid of this or that. And, you know, and it's it's like we just remove our our, our rights because we feel like we give authority the power to make these kind of decisions. It's not that's not how that's supposed to work unless you're informed properly. Right. That if you want to pretend they have that authority, you should damn well believe you have all the information and they kept that from us. But yeah, I think the, the, the scariest thing is what else has happened and is happening that we don't know about. And this really I, to, I kind of on a parallel. I think this is what's so interesting and alarming at the same time is that right now you've got a, a the Israeli government with the work and help of the Western governments trying to push the idea that what they're doing right now is fighting this terrorist entity. And that's the only thing that's happening. It has nothing to do with the Palestinian people and the displacement and all that. And you can see that in their actions, they're not just targeting Palestinians. They're not just going after Hamas. They are actively killing the very people they claim they're doing this for, which is the hostages that are in Gaza. And you could argue that's not intentional, but that's been stated by people who came home from Gaza. That's been stated by people who were involved with these actions. They just shot three of their own people, one of them 15 minutes after the other two. I don't know if you saw that story, but there were three hostages that came out. One of them was was back behind there, like going, don't shoot me. <laughs> I'm I'm an Israeli. And they said, come out, come out. And he finally came out and they shot him twice. You know, and I'm like, I don't know how you misunderstand a story like that. And so my opinion is obvious when you have people who are home telling us that they were most afraid of IDF bombings, that they don't care about any of these people. And I think that shows you a really especially alarming thing that has, I think this goes beyond nation states. I think we're dealing with something like we were, I was touching on. This is much bigger to these people. And you could pretend that they think they're fighting some cataclysmic climate change or whatever you think is driving their, their mindset. But either way, they're acting in a way that is independent of anybody else other than their agenda. That human rights, your, your personal desires, doesn't matter. you know. And I think that even Israelis are beginning to find this out. Yeah, it's becoming impossible to hide this. It's even the mm. the news media that is usually running cover has decided, well, listen, there's really not much we can do. We can't really. You shot these three people. They were Israelis. They were telling you they were Israelis. You shot them anyway. Like we, we can only cover for you guys for so long. At some point, where you're going to have to take responsible responsibility for some of your actions. Let's dip out for a quick news break. We'll be right back on the other side with Ryan Christian. Now, big, big news. TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. Donald Trump has called for urgent action to be taken to stop Democrats from stealing the upcoming presidential election. Just when we thought we had seen the last of COVID-19, authorities in Australia are once again sounding the alarm. And America's first mission to the moon in more than 50 years has failed after its unmanned spacecraft suffered a fuel leak making it impossible to carry out a soft landing on the lunar surface. The common housefly. Caught in the clutches of the spider's web. Every move it makes just makes matters worse. Then, dinner time. 
Feast on the captivating stories, videos, and helpful information on our website. Whoa. Dinner's ready. Oh, man. Escape is futile. Just one more video. Get stuck in our web. TNTradio.live. Ryan, we've seen the law of unintended consequences play out in a lot of these events over our lifetime. I see the situation in Gaza, what's going on there, and we understand that it if you could contain it to just that region, it would still be horrible, but that would be one thing. But it spreads, and we've got Houthis in Yemen that are very much aware of the shipping uh, transportation industry that flows off of their coast, the Gulf of Aden and in the Red Sea. And they're looking for Israeli boats. And um, the United States put together some sort of ragtag coalition that lasted all of three days before that fell apart, where the other countries just decided they didn't want to be under the control of America in this whack-a-mole game. What, oh man, where do we go with this situation? Because I can envision a scenario in which it's not just Israeli ships that are targeted, but it's shipping lines in general. Their insurance carriers just say, we're not insuring you. You can't go through that region. That's not going to work. And we start to see oil prices rise and kick off some sort of global financial catastrophe. So and a hot war in Gaza turns into a financial collapse in New York City, hmm. all because of Shipping and oil? Is that is that feasible? Is that where we're headed? And what's your take on what's going on in that uh, region of the Gulf of Aden? Well, first of all, yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's certainly possible. I mean, I, I, one of the things that I've always heard talked about is, you know, the oil, the barrel price. And if it goes past X, Y and Z, that has cataclysmic consequences. Around, you know, and I, that's always been stated. and It makes sense to me. Who knows whether that's, you know, ultimately real when it happens. But I think that that's possible. But I would argue that the only thing this will ultimately affect is because already you're seeing ships that basically use I forget the term the system but you know the 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 system they use to basically broadcast the name of the ship using that mm -hmm. to like type in like we're not with Israel <laughs> like in in almost comical ways like like don't hurt us we have nothing to do with Israel and so that's an immediate byproduct of that where people are like look I'm not have I don't want anything to do with this I just want to do my business and so then you have now you have an opening where people are like oh okay so we can do business as long as we just make it clear that we don't want anything to do with this now first thing I would say and I'm and saying that my point is that people will find a way around that if they really want to so it wouldn't be like this massive stop it would be whether the US government decides to make that a big deal more so than it is and then affect everybody else in their splashy you know clumsy belligerent typical foreign policy but what I think is is interesting in all this is first of all the houthis are a popular movement that are supported by the people of yemen and th there's a whole topic i know you're familiar with yemen i don't know how much your audience is in regard to the history around the you know the illegal basically that the saudi arabian government with the united states have been trying to put their person back in power his name's hadi he's been living in riyadh he's not nobody supports him inside of yemen and and through the work with al-qaeda and saudi Arabia, they've been trying to force it back in they've been starving this country for a very long time now, the thing is, is that Yemen is another occupied territory, just like Iraq, just like Syria, just like any of these locations, which therefore means by international law, they have the legal right to armed rebellion against their occupier and against anybody militarily supporting that. Right now, they can't go after civilians. That's you know, the legal understanding. Right. And I do agree with that. I think that's a hard line we all have to draw. But the thing is, there's people that make the argument that, well, the U.S. government doesn't follow any of these rules, neither does Saudi Arabia or anybody else. So you can at least understand why they may not go by those lines. My point in saying that is 
if they're targeting, and I mean militarily, not just hindering them, that's there's a whole discussion to be had about blockades of their own water, right? That's a big, whole different thing. But they're arguing they're firing on them in some ways. Now, if that's the case and you can prove that and it's a civilian ship and then further prove that Israel wasn't surreptitiously using that without telling anybody, well, that would be a crime. So just stating that, I think that's the static thing we should acknowledge. Beyond all of that, I think this is going to become a larger issue where we all have to kind of stand back and ask ourselves where we morally stand on this. Not whether because I'm an American, therefore I default and support my belligerent illegal government. No, what we think is right, right? Legally or just morally, integrity. And I think at this point, we have to understand that you, Yemen has been starved and sieged and blockaded and in every possible way in the violation of international law by the U.S., by Saudi Arabia, by UAE, by all of these groups. That's Nobody cares about that. So that is a point we should concern ourselves with. And so if Yemen is going to stand up and fight for other countries dealing with that, we should all support that. Right. And then we can say the same thing about Syria or Iraq or any of these groups that are right. lobbing shots at their occupier and they freak out and say terrorism. Well, no, they're acting legally with international law, by the way. And I think I said this last time and I can flesh this out more if it's too shocking for some people. So, too, is the act of Hamas going into the occupied areas of Israel. That doesn't mean when they attacked civilians that was protected, but it was and have to be acknowledged as such a legally protected act of armed rebellion. It's just amazing how we play this game and, you know, rather the governments do about, you know, what is and isn't under international law when they choose to, you know, they acknowledge it or don't. But it's important. Yeah. Well, America is clutching its pearls. You know, they're attacking us in Syria. They're attacking us in Iraq. And it's like, why are we in Syria? Why are we in Iraq? You know, what I mean? nobody ever wants to answer like, well, you know, I mean, we have to we have to defend the oil. You mean steal the oil? Because you've been stealing right. the oil in these places. Let's just be honest well, with what well, it was. was. When Trump was president, remember, he's like, well, we have to secure the oil fields and then steal yeah. all the oil. I was like, well, at least you're being honest about your criminality in this, in I this regard. That. I could appreciate <laughs> it, too. <laughs> well, one, one thing that I think is important, though, is that it's not even about why. Like, just because you can give us a valid reason for why you think you should break the law doesn't mean you're still not breaking the law. It's the same thing that Israel's doing. It's like in the, the they're, I guess, I think either tomorrow or, or later today, I think it's tomorrow, they're going to be doing the, the International Criminal uh, Court of Justice presentation in regard to genocide, right? And, right. and Israel's like, we're going to play our atrocity video, right, to show everybody what's going on. And if you really think about what they're saying, what does that have to do with whether or not you're committing genocide? The only point would be, this is how bad it was, therefore we're allowed to commit genocide? Like, think about yeah. the argument there. And so that's the same point. It doesn't matter whether you think by holding this oil, you're, you're hindering world terrorism. The point is still that the people of this country have the right to kick you out and that we don't want you there. And most of the world, including Americans, by the way, don't want you there either. You know, so it's like the world is finally beginning to come together as the peoples of these countries and recognize that most of your governments are the problem. Uh, I, fix, I fix that. I've got things I could say, but it's a little bit, you know, <laughs> post-government well, is hard for people to think about. <laughs> it, it, that's true. Um, as I get ready to go to host the largest anarchist conference in the world in Acapulco, Mexico in a month, I understand there's different ways that we can <laughs> reimagine this government. But it is it's kind of funny to me that South Africa is the one bringing the the uh, the genocide claims against Israel and people are saying, oh, you know, how dare you? Well, who would know better right. than South Africa, really? Right. I mean, after what they've gone through, they would be in a position to recognize this is this is, you know, standard infighting. And this is when it's crossed over into apartheid and uh, and the things that come along with that. Right. That, well, yeah, definitely. And that's really interesting. You make that point, because I think what you're touching on there is 
I made the same point. Like of all people in the world, South Africa, having come from out of part of apartheid, is very aware of of what is going on here. The problem comes from the current two party illusion dynamic. I think largely in the United States, but in the bigger in the larger West, where they come out and they say, "What? How dare the the um, you know the, the the people in South Africa that have been murdering white men in their sleep or whatever that the story you know which is there's stuff there's some of that happening right? But it's interesting how that becomes the focal point as opposed to that there's always stuff like that happening in countries where there's political divides and and ignoring the 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 larger point of actually decoupling your society from like an inbred inherent racist let's not forget for people listening apartheid is like is the worst form of racism it's like the the worst most alarming most invasive like it's it's if you look through history it is the worst of the worst of the worst and that's why if we don't forget Israel was involved with South Africa when that was going on right building ethnic weapons and all sorts of terrible things that we don't talk about and so it's just interesting that you get this push from largely the political right I think in the United States saying you know how dare you side with the group that now you know it's just it's, it's this back and forth game as opposed to looking at the bigger picture that's what divide and conquer does that's what our politics do we won't even get into Klaus Schwab, Escherwesch, and the uh, centrifuges that they sold to South Africa. We'll keep that for another time. And I'll tell you what, if you're ready for the conversation about smart dust and nanotechnology, you might want to head over to the Last American Vagabond and catch Ryan's show over there. You'll be living in the future. Thanks, Ryan. We'll catch you next time. And we appreciate everything that you do. Thanks, brother. Have a good one. After the break, we'll be back with Jeffrey Wilson. This is TNT. Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malsberg. Last Friday was Anna Navarro's birthday. So The View celebrated with drag queens from her home state of Florida. Well, let me tell you something. The arts <laughs> saves lives. Can I get an amen? Yeah, amen. amen. Drag shows bring people together. When you come to our show, you leave your problems at the door. You leave whatever the governor said at the door, whatever the president said at the door. You don't want to hear about them at our show. You come to our show to hear Cher, Beyonce, <laughs> Lady Gaga, and have a good time. And regardless of where you come from, regardless of who you are, you're all there to celebrate one thing, the drag queens. And they use the opportunity to bash Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Maybe DeSantis secretly wants to get dressed up in ladies' clothes. Is that possible? Well, he has my number, so I don't know. <laughs> no, I, I think it's really important that we understand that it's not that DeSantis went after, you know, LGBTQ and drag. He went after the R House in specific. Yeah. He tried to shut them down. Now, DeSantis did launch an investigation into the R House bar in 2022 because there were accusations that children were at these drag queen shows. And there was a video reportedly of a, an exposed drag queen holding the hand and leading a kid around. So good for DeSantis, shame on these ladies, all of them. Thanks for giving me a minute, I'm Steve Malsberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern time, right here on TNT. The Kids Cancer Project funds vital research into childhood cancers. And you fund the Kids Cancer Project. Funding research means giving children back their lives. And who knows what kids with cancer could grow up to do. The Kids Cancer Project. Survival starts with science. Donate now. The Kids Cancer Project. You have the power of information. Charlie Robinson on today's News Talk Radio. TNT.
We are back for a final segment of the show. We have the host, the founder of That Podcast Network with us. He was one half the host of Conspiracy Farm. Are we still doing that? Ladies and gentlemen, Jeffrey Wilson, everybody. How you How doing, Charlie? You? Happy New Year, brother, man. Good to see ha you as always. Ha Happy New Year to you. And and, and the, the question of 2024 has already been asked. It was asked this morning by an intrepid reporter directed at Hunter Biden. And the question of the year was, what kind of crack do you normally smoke, Mr. Biden? Did you see that today? No. Wow. <laughs> Are there different variations of crack? I'm not a crack aficionado, but I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. I assume that um, he smokes the best kind you can get. I just I would, think, so. would, I would think he would get the, the grade A, the grade A I would think he would yeah. get. Yeah, well, he got he he ran out of that room um, and um, he, he ran out of that room as fast as he could uh, before Marjorie Taylor Greene started talking. And then the cameras all caught him out in the hallway. And that's when the reporter asked him that very question. But we see that there are two tiers of justice in this in this country. Um, what do you think? Where, where are we going to go with this Hunter Biden thing? How does it play out? Do we wait until the president of the United States just rides off into the sunset or f drops dead in the Oval Office or whatever this ending is going to be. And then we just rumsfeld it with uh, with Hunter mm -hmm. Biden and say mistakes were made and that we're, we're, we don't want to live in the past. Or are we going to actually see some accountability, maybe some form of show trial for this guy just to maybe get the general public to think, hey, there is accountability, even if you are the president's son. Is that am I too... Am, am I smoking Hunter Biden's crack by thinking that that might actually happen? <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, it's it's wishful thinking, right? I mean, it's it's you know we want to have some measure of accountability when it comes to this stuff. I mean, it's to, to answer your question, I don't think anything's going to come from it. I think it'll be kicked down the road. You know, the can will get kicked down the road, and it'll do like you said, they'll Rumsfeld it. Well, we don't want to live in the past. I, I don't see anything coming from it, man. But again, this is where we're at. Crack coke left in the White House, dudes getting slammed in the Senate office, reporters asking the president's son, what kind of crack do you smoke? I mean, it's all bad for business, man. It's all bad. You remember when Ronald Reagan had those same questions asked? Oh, wait, never mind. No, that didn't happen. This is a yeah. this is it's it's almost like a parody skit being run. It's like it's like it's like it feels like a made for TV show, like the White House starring. Right. Joe Biden featuring sure. his crack addict son, you know, and like and 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 guest starring Karine Jean-Pierre, who doesn't have an answer for anybody unless she looks in her magic uh, binder and then she will only call on four people. So it feels very cartoonish. Are you looking forward to the new uh, election cycle, though? That ought to be. Fun. Oh, oh, my gosh. The next I mean, as and it's weird, Charlie, I've asked people and it's all kind of in the zeitgeist. Why? What is it? Why do we feel something? Granted, it's a, it's a pretty tumultuous presidential election but it what we're feeling transcends that and i'm getting that vibe from everybody it's like 2024 is going to be wild whether it's the not to, not to go too salacious but the cat williams episode that's 30 million views you know peeling the veil of hollywood and all this dark stuff that we've all known about whether it's the music business the the, the music movies all of it anyway the veil is being is being lifted and i think we are going to see a very very interesting i mean look at how it kicked off we got supposedly aliens in the mall and you know 2024 is starting off very very interesting sir tunnels in brooklyn <laughs> that is interesting i mean yes yes what is what's going on 
I don't know. It feels like a, a, I mean, I'm not a biblical scholar, but it feels like a revealing of sorts. You know what I mean? It feels like, oh, you guys think you, you're ready for the what's really going on? Enjoy 2024. We're going to have uh, right. we're start the and, year and, and off. In with... that vein, I hope we do see some of that accountability with Hunter Biden. I hope that veil extends itself to the Biden family as well, because at the end of the day, it should have been game set match with all of these LLCs. You know, all of this, you know, effery that's been going on with these guys. It's not and they focus on the old president while this serious criminality is going on right in front of us. Well, we saw something going on overseas. Speaking of how they deal with their political opponents, we saw a Korean uh, politician uh, stabbed in the neck during a press conference. Did you see that? That was the, one of the crazier things that I, I think did. I and seen. I was very ignorant on it. And so I did a little deep dive of sorts like uh, Lee, Lee Jae Myung. It was the opposition leader, supposedly like the populist Donald Trump on the left over there. Um, him and his political opponent, who's the president now, uh, President Yoon suk Yeol. He's the current. They, they were both went at it. So basically, Yun won the presidential election and Lee lost. But there's this all in kind of internal bickering. Lee Jin Myung, the guy who got stabbed in the neck, trying to get the president's wife locked up. Lee Jin Myung is dealing with uh, when he was president of one of the cities in China, uh, in Korea. Something about $15 million got lost and he got pinched for supposedly sending $8 million illegally to North Korea. So it's like same stuff, different country. You know what I mean? But it, it was very interesting that it was so brazen like that, almost like the guy that killed uh, uh, Shinzo Abe walked up right up to him and got him. He wasn't president then. But still, this guy, I mean, in broad daylight, stabbed a freaking caught him with the, in the and he lived. It was stable. I mean, it wasn't life. It was pretty wild because if you see the video, it was I thought he was done. I, you know, I th I thought American politics was crazy, uh, but but apparently South Korea has a uh, has something uh, uh, on, on them. I bet North Korean uh, political elections are even crazier though. <laughs> oh, without a doubt, you can only imagine. There, and again, this this the city thing. where this the city where this the city where this stabbing took place, as we've talked about before, a lot of uh, instability we're seeing is right along that Belt and Road Maritime route, the String of Pearls, and this was in the very city that the Belt and Road runs through. And and this guy who got stabbed isn't very friendly with uh, U.S. Western um, foreign policy. So there's there's I'm not sure what's going on, but it is very very interesting as we talk about well, 2024 kicking off. For sure. And and you mentioned the Belt and Road Initiative. Last time you were on, we talked a little bit about that. There's two parts to the to the BRA. There's the there's the over the uh, land component with rail. And then there's the maritime uh, uh, string of pearls. Road and rail. Road and rail. Right. So the 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 um, the maritime component of this leads us into this region that is facing a lot of uh, a lot of concern right now. We just had Ryan Christian on from the Last American Vagabond. We were talking about that that area. Um, boy, what do you make? I mean, this feels like we've got we've got ships. We've got the potential for attacks. We've got uh, almost no accountability. There's no reporter that's going to be in a dinghy out there in the middle of the Red Sea <laughs> getting, the, getting the goods on this, right? So we're at the mercy of whatever the intelligence agencies and the mainstream media and governments tell us, which is not a good place to be, of course, we're, which means you're not going to get the, the true... Um, uh, the honest truth about the incident. And that leads me to think that this is the potential for what got us into Vietnam, Gulf of Tonkin, Gulf of Tonkin 2, right? Where a ship is attacked, 
we just going to have to take your word for it on it. But uh, an American ship was attacked. And in defense of that, we launched some missiles at a place. Maybe it's Yemen in this in this particular case. Maybe it's a, an Iranian boat, whatever. It's going to lead to it's that has the potential to lead to something bigger. Is that something that you think that we should even consider at this point? Well, without a doubt. I mean, the, the grand chessboard pieces are always I mean, it's, it's a marathon, not a sprint for these guys. So when we talk about areas of unrest that uh, cause a little bit of uh, conflagration with the with the extension of the Red uh, Belt and Road up through the Red Sea into the Suez Canal, we see a lot of stuff going on in the Red See in the Indian Ocean. And per your point, we talked about it last time, the Gulf of Tonkin incident and the Gulf of Tonkin, that whole thing was one incident, the firing on the USS Maddox, which we now find out through historical perspective was a lie. And so we were asking, is this a, when, when it was first, when these ships were just getting hit, one or two, we were like, oh, is, are they going to use just this as the pretext? And I don't see that happening. Every day, more and more ships are being attacked, whether they're vessels, whether they're cargo vessels or military ships. And I think there's going to be, when we do find, and who's doing this? The Houthis, who's backing the Houthis, Iran. So you see, in my personal opinion, you see the inevitable steps to a potential war with Iran. I mean, we just had the other day, I think it was two weeks ago, um, it was General Razi Mousavi, I think it was. He was the general of the Iranian paramilitary revolutionary guard. He, they killed him in uh, in Syria. So they're starting to take out heads of, of Iran as well. And a lot of this war is asymmetric, obviously, but I think there's a certain inevitability about a potential war um, with Iran. Or in in Iran's proxies, as well as, you know, is possible Russia and China going to come to the aid of Iran? Things could get very interesting. And this area of the Red Sea could be the pretext for all of it. Yeah. And I wish I felt like there was an appetite for this to not happen in inside the governments but it feels like they want this of course we the people we don't want any of this and i'm sure the people of iran and the people of yemen and the people of israel and the people of palestine don't want the wars either but it doesn't matter what the people want right jeffrey it's what the government look, 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 look at the war. stocks of uh look at the stocks of these defense contractors and yeah. that tells you yeah that's a part yeah. of it anyway. there's there there's War's a, a racket. Money. Smedley, smedley nailed it man war is a racket there it is a racket and in lately what we've seen in our presidential um wranglings has been nikki haley has jumped into the 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 i i don't want to say lead but she's been taking up a lot of the media attention lately it feels very manufactured and organic i still haven't met an actual human being that is on board with <laughs> nikki haley in any way shape or form uh unless they work for boeing but 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 is it's the that same thing the they plan? did with biden right they'll shove him down your throat Right. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter whether you want him or whether he's an appealing candidate or whether he can speak or get off a stage. It doesn't matter. I thought it was funny. We had Roger Stone on yesterday describing her. And I think I'd heard this before as uh, as as Dick Cheney in high heels. The idea (laughs) of that is reprehensible, of course. (laughs) But but that's what America has become. Right. Are we just you know, we we, you and I had these conversations off air talking about like the strength of the dollar and the dollar being used to be backed by gold then it was backed by kind of a promise these days it feels like the dollar is backed by the u.s military and when we see the dollar weakening and we see questions about that and we see this opportunity for the united states military to show its force um then you've got to find a candidate that can make that happen right in their eyes and that is nikki haley that's not donald trump right donald trump doesn't kickstart world war three nikki haley does or am i 
Am I speculating on that one? Yeah, I'm not. I don't really know much about Nikki. Um, I'm not sure, man. I mean, Donald could could really come in and and do some cleaning house in a bunch of different ways. And per what you're saying about the you know the, the fall of the dollar, we have five new countries been added to the BRIC nations as of January first: Egypt, Ethiopia, Iran, Saudi Arabia, and UAE have now been added to those BRIC nations. And then coming up with the next, I think, 24 more countries have applied. So this expansion of your one belt, one road, these BRIC nations, these different economic and trade alliances that don't involve us, don't involve the G7 and or whatever it is now, it's yeah. things are changing, man. Things are changing very quickly. And, and per what you were saying about Nikki Haley, World War Three and, you know, kinetic war isn't what isn't what's really being. I, I don't know. China's taking over the world without firing a shot. Yeah. And so. I think the paradigm is shifting as far as how empire expands anymore. I mean, we'll still drop some bombs. Don't get me wrong. But I think China's doing it in a way where they're working with countries as opposed to going and blowing them up. Yeah, we'll re rebuild your country. And they're starting from scratch. Whereas China's creating these somewhat symbiotic relationships with these countries that they're going into. So the paradigm is like is shifting on the grand chessboard as always. Yeah, I had a good talk with John Perkins, the author of uh, Confessions of an Economic Hitman. His third version of that book is, is has been out for a little over a year now, and it is dealing with the Chinese economic hitman and the Belt and Road Initiative and how they do it. And what he was talking about was they have they have some similar tactics, but they don't have this massive debt trap that the United States uh, digs holes for um, for these countries that that the Perkins was putting into debt slavery back in the seventies and. Uh, like Ecuador. Instead, what they're doing is they're giving them very hmm. reasonable interest rates, 2%, and saying, we actually want to work with you. We actually think that we it's in our better interest, our national interest, to have a long-term strategy where we work well with these African countries or whatever, and uh, and use that as and become partners instead of trying to dominate. That's a, that's a US mentality, right? Is that the empire mentality? Is those come in club you over the head, club you into submission, take all your stuff, and then you will work with us out of fear. Whereas China sees exactly. this as, let's partner, let's go into business together. Why, why the, why the hostilities? We can, we can make some money here. We can move some products around the globe, right? Easier, a lot easier with the BRI hey, in place. You catch more flies with honey than vinegar, baby. I mean, yeah. and that's what the Chinese have really, really find out. I mean, you know, this not the stereotype, but this is the culture of Sun Tzu. You know, the war, a war's a war's won before it's ever fought. I mean, it, what these guys have done, I mean, you you can't just you can't help but tip your hat. This isn't a referendum on comp, you know, the CCP or whatever. But what they've done has been masterful over these yeah. many, many years from taking over. I mean, people talk about the South China Sea. Not to get too deep, but my my old uh, history professor in community college, Dr. David Krein, RIP, told me about the Spratly Islands twenty five years yeah. ago. And I had no idea what it was. And then here it is. This is the center of basically all of their artificial bases in the South China Sea, which facilitates the the, the maritime route. And another thing, you know, I've I've been talking to people, you know, if, if China's going to invade Taiwan, they better do it, I think, sooner than later, They because I don't think Biden's going to win. Or So if they're going to do it, you want to do it kind of when we're, they're at our weakest. But are, will they invade Taiwan, do you think? And if they do and like drop bombs, I mean, the TSMC, the Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Company is like the, the prime spot for all of these different semiconductors and, and microprocessors, like the next level stuff that's produced that produces almost 70 percent of what goes into our stuff. If you blow that up, you're messing up the whole global economy. Yeah. What do you think? Well, I think that China has to be very careful with this in, in dealing with Taiwan, because like you say, they, they get on the wrong side of the United States. We have a mutually assured destruction pact with China. They own a lot of our debt. 
we yeah. need them. We need them to continue buying our debt. So it would be uh, it would be an economic catastrophe for China and Taiwan to get into a hot war. Like you said, the semiconductor industry is Taiwan's bread and butter. The United States has has generously offered for them to relocate their facilities to the United States. I wouldn't do Which that. They will. And they're, they're, they will. They will relocate to Arizona and Phoenix, but they won't be making the next level stuff that they're making in Taiwan. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, real quick before we get out of here, what's your new show out of the box? Can you tell out us? of the box with my friend Eric Michael, man? It's it's really I mean, we're going to be talking a little bit about everything, man. It's just kind of riffing back and forth. I mean, little literally everything from politics to, you know, a little bit of everything, man. But we're going to have that out of out of the box perspective. I love it. Uh, please check out Jeffrey Wilson's shows, The Conspiracy Farm, and that podcast network is where you'll find him. I'll be back with you tomorrow, 2 p.m. Eastern. Don't go anywhere. This is TNT Radio.